All right, welcome to Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. This is episode one, and I'm so excited to be here today. I've got an amazing guest that we'll introduce here in just a minute. Um, I put this together because I'm passionate about belief systems, because belief dictates our behavior. You can focus on behavior and try to change behavior, but nothing will ever happen unless you change the belief. So this is kind of kind of this is going to be the theme of this podcast throughout uh, its history. To be honest, uh, see, I blew that one, but the, hey, I don't care. This is all good. Um, but we're going to talk about how belief uh, has how it shapes our lives and it shapes our um, our destiny. And I've got a, an amazing person with us here today. His name's Paul Madsen. What's up? Hey, how are you? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I Absolutely. Appreciate it. I've known Paul for a few years now. And uh, he is probably one of the most inspiring men that I've ever met. Uh, this guy has quite the story, which we're going to hear some of it here in just a minute. Um, he's inspired me in many ways. He's inspired hundreds and thousands of others over the last several years because of how he's changed his life. And I'm just excited to have him on here today. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's so, awesome. Yeah. How you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> it's good to see you. What, what, what have you been up to today already? I know it's early. Yep. Well, I just start off my day with my normal routine principles that luckily, you know, a lot of those I got from you from being able to share that is, uh-huh. you know, wake up, set my intent as soon as I step into consciousness, open my eyes, put one foot down, yeah. you know, and get, get ready for the day, make up my bed as soon as I get out of it and, nice. you know, enjoy a nice car ride nice, up nice. here. And Very cool. Get to see well, I, I, again, I'm excited to have you on here because I want people to get to know you. Um, yeah. Because you do have quite the story. You've been through a lot, um, but uh, you've also done a lot of amazing things, or especially over the last couple of years. And so, but I want to first maybe just kind of have you tell us a little bit about you, you know, like sure. maybe kind of where you grew up, a little bit about your family and, yeah, you know, just a little bit of that. You sure. Know? Yeah, I was born and raised in Kearns, Utah here. So I'm the youngest of five kids. Um, I'm the only one that was born here in Utah. So born and raised out there. Grew up skateboarding, having fun, I guess, like a normal kid. Uh, nine years old, moved to Taylorsville. That's where I spent. T-ville. That's where I spent the most of my time. Yeah, I went to high school through there. went to Binion Junior High. Um, okay. Right on. Yeah. So what uh, What are some of the things you, you you liked to do when you were growing up? Um, well, like I was saying, I... Young, really young age, I started skateboarding, um, just, you know, hanging out with friends, hanging out with my brother. I was into basketball, played junior jazz, undefeated junior jazz team for Ooh, three years in a row. Wow. There it is, guys. <laughs> undefeated. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's obviously just a small nutshell of, of how it was. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time with my siblings. How many brothers up. and sisters do you have? Two brothers and two sisters. Where do you fall in line? Are you the, the youngest? The youngest. I'm the baby. Right on, the baby. <laughs> the baby's showing how it's done nowadays. Yep, something That's, like that. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the things you love to do? What are some of your hobbies, some of your likes, some uh, of the things you do? Today? To take up your time, yeah. Well, so like I was saying, I played basketball growing up. I did skateboarding, snowboarding, and that was... About in the beginning, or you know, before I got into some trouble and let all those passions, hobbies go to the the wayside, unfortunately. Which but, we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. So uh, today, I still enjoy playing basketball, like playing volleyball, volleyball, softball, mm-hmm. um, as far as sports go. But I, you know, this my number one favorite hobby is is cars. 
any and so everything tell, to do with cars. So it's, <laughs> it's not just cars. It's it's dr it's called drifting, right? Yes, yes, I don't sir. know too much about it. Tell, <laughs> tell us about what what is drifting. Yeah, um, well, and, and why do you love it so much? I just absolutely love it. Um, I I got into it probably about eight years ago. Um, one of my good friends, Walter, kind of convinced me to actually go and drive and do it at Rocky Mountain Raceway, and, and it was it was like nothing else. So what last. is it, though? Like, what does drifting mean? Sliding car sideways as fast <laughs> as you can with as much style and line and speed as you can. Yeah, I noticed so, when you leave the parking lot here, you usually drift in <laughs> I was wondering right. what that was. That's right. Hey, I saw you try it once. Too. <laughs> yeah, I, cool. I, I lived in Tokyo when I was 16 um, okay. for a couple months with my sister, Emily. Okay. And so it's kind of funny. People give me uh, some crap sometimes because it's like the movie Tokyo Drift, but I was doing <laughs> that like 10 years before that came out. Really? So okay. I got a good idea and introduction to that whole Tokyo car scene. Really? Is it pretty big over there? The scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like their number one it's, thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So luckily I carried that over here with me and yeah, I've met some, well, you know, people I would have never crossed paths with, some good friends and it's an awesome hobby and it's not a team sport and, you know, you can go do it your own self and right. you rely on your own self and it's, said so the adrenaline, fun and yeah. skill is, is like no other. <laughs> you, you do that, you do that almost every weekend, it seems like. Uh, is that fair to I, say? Or? I try to, but yeah. yeah, it's tough. It takes a lot of time and money and maintenance yeah. <laughs> and stuff breaks. And, I bet, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I can only but imagine. I wish. I love it, yeah. That's really cool. Dude, Are you usually, is there someone in the car with you when you're drifting, or is it usually just an individual kind of thing? That, yeah. yeah, generally it's just alone. Okay. Yeah, you can do ride-alongs. I've learned a lot from sitting in the passenger seat with some other people and friends. And is it pretty scary at times? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, have you, have, you, just, have you wrecked before? Were you you're I, drifting and the car rolls over or something? I haven't. No, no. I've okay. seen a couple guys <laughs> going to the wall though. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I obviously know you really well, and I know one of your you know, someone that you really look up to, you know, growing up has uh, has been Tupac. Yeah, absolutely. Tupac Shakur, right? Absolutely. I don't even know if I said that correctly, yeah. but uh, <laughs> and, and and I know you're really passionate about because I think, you know, when I first met you, I was giving you a hard time about that, if you remember. Oh yeah. Um, but you you've done a lot of studying of how he what he believed and what he kind of truly was behind the scenes. For sure. So tell me tell me a little bit about why you admire this person and why, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, just to kind of go back and touch back on uh, background growing up. Um, again, I just kind of gave you a nutshell story, but I mean, I, I've been through a whole lot as you were, you know, saying in the right. introduction, but what, I mean, I was introduced to it pretty young. I'd say about 12, 13 is when I started getting into it. Tupac and hip hop, like <laughs> way heavier than ever before. And, um, it was just his, his message and music and of what he was saying that really just, it spoke to me. Like I, it, it's at times it can even be hard to explain of just how emotional and how, right. how much passion I feel for it. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble as an adolescent and, you know, teen growing up and it, I can honestly look back and there were songs that I had memorized that, that I would just like repeat lines uh -huh. of that, that helped right. me get through times and things. Right. Um, and just what he stood for. And I always felt like it was uh, misrepresented. I mean, I've sat and had these conversations, I don't want to call it an argument, but with, with my dad of just trying to explain 
you know, what, what his message is to the public and people and that it's uh, misconstrued as this, you know, thug gangster and, and that when really he's trying to, you know, he's talking about changing the world and equality and peace and, right. and people having rights and standing up for what you believe in. And no matter how hard things get, that there's always going to be a brighter day and to push through it. And yeah. there was a lot of times where that was maybe the only thing, if if one of few, that, that was a positive message that, like I said, it just it yeah. carried me through a lot of things. Yeah, he's a poet, isn't he? Absolutely. Um, one of my, and I'm going to butcher this, but... Uh, one of my favorite quotes by Tupac is the rose that grew from concrete. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and how, you know, it, 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 per, it persevered and reached towards the sun. Right. And I like the imagery of that is imagine seeing a rose actually growing in the middle of a sidewalk. Yeah. You know, and we wouldn't go, Oh, look at its damaged, damaged petals. We would, we would praise it and say, look at the tenacity it had to get to the sun. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of my favorite quotes by that guy. Yeah. Um, I actually share a, a lot of times with my clients and this and that. But uh, so I've learned to appreciate him a little bit more since knowing you, to be honest. Yeah. I think you it's know? awesome. It's funny to, yeah. you know, run into you and see you. We had our barbecue here at Wasatch. And that's the first thing. <laughs> you're like, dude, I saw this documentary. And I, I, I go and I tell, you know, yeah. some of our coworkers and friends. And they're like, yeah. what? Todd? And so <laughs> yeah, it's cool because, yeah, I mean, I, I and I can – you know, one of the many reasons why I have the utmost respect for you is that, yeah, I mean, you're open to it and to see mm-hmm. those bright points and, and actually the truth of what he stood for. And, yeah. and you can see, like, the, the example, Rose that grew from concrete is... Yeah, that's you, that. dude. And, and that's <laughs> truly you. And that's Thank why you. I bring this up. I mean, again, uh, for those of you who don't know Paul, you're going to get to know him here a little bit more, but he truly is a rose that grew, grew from concrete. Like, like it almost seems impossible from where he was to where he is now. A lot of people would think it's impossible. I don't because my belief is that um, changing or waking up to who we really are is pretty simple. Yeah, if you let it be, absolutely. It's it's simple. Um, And that's another belief that we'll talk about here in a minute. But let's, uh, so why don't we, let's kind of, uh, you know, segue into kind of your past a little bit. Okay. Um, Obviously, you've struggled with some addictions and things like that and, Maybe kind of tell me when that kind of started and a little bit about that and kind of go through some of that history of uh, your, your trials and tribulations with that. Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, or else we'd be here for 10 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 12 years old, um, you know, sneaking my friend's dad's Bacardi or sixth grade and, mm-hmm. you know, just trying that out here and there. Some alcohol is what that is. Um, smoking a little bit of weed here and there and. Um, it lasted about a year and a half or so. Um, luckily, when I was uh, 14 years old, I kind of found a, a whole new love for uh, punk rock music. I get into mm-hmm. like the hardcore punk rock, right. straight edge, uh, mm-hmm. vegan kind of lifestyle. And that, that lasted about a year. And, and I say that to maybe tie in a little bit later. But, sure, yeah. Um, and then, so it was about, you know, close to 15 that, that I really started getting into weed and yeah. and drinking and um it was shortly thereafter that i was selling weed and i would drink you know high school parties weekends um that was that was a big part of my my irrational and flawed belief is that i had this identity that i was uh were you pretty open with it like meaning or were you or or did you have to like hide it really well like you know based, you know obviously parents don't want their kids doing that kind of stuff sure. typically oh right? yeah yeah so, <laughs> I mean, was this something like this hidden life that you were trying to, um, uh, you know, keep 
under underground. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you know some ambivalence was prevalent there for sure. Yeah, um, I always kind of struggled back and forth with that that idea that oh, I'm a I'm a good person, I'm a good guy or good kid, but yet I'm out doing all these things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty blatantly obvious as to what I was doing, but yeah, at the same time, I tried to you know play, keep the peace at home off. and kind of play yeah. it off and keep it cool. Yeah. yeah. But that only lasted so long, of sure. course. And yeah. I mean, I was I was 16 years old. And I remember my dad walked in uh, my room, and I had like a little over two thousand dollars, and I was sitting there counting it out. And he just looked at me, you know, like, "What in the world is?" How old were you? When 16. This and you had two grand in cash. Yeah, my friend gave me that to <laughs> kind of like, you know, get us wow. started, if you really? will. And yeah. You probably felt like a millionaire. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a lot of money for, oh, yeah, for, I thought, for someone that I was on the top of the world. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this, I mean, it was some denial, I'm sure, and just being naive of, sure. I just made up some phony story of why I had it. And he just closed the door and walked away. So I think. So you knew he was disappointed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think that on the back half of that, it just fueled the idea of like, you know, naive on my part too. Right, well, right. they don't really, I, I got away with it, but I mean, <laughs> looking right. back, how could you? So yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was just the beginning of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I was joking with you, we could go on for years because of just the depth and detail, but um, just again, that was kind of my identity. I was okay with that. That's right. who, that's who I wanted to be. That's who I was in, in a sense, you know, and right. of course it wasn't happy doing that at all, but I, I was in such a dark place. So I was okay with, being that guy and that's how mm-hmm. I was going to go out and, and that just spiraled into I just to skip forward I'd say the the depth of where it turned was taking oxycotton back in the day and uh that just got to be too much and how so, old were you when you started taking oxycotton about 20 23 okay. I want to say Okay. So that. So up to that point, you were mainly just kind of drinking, smoking some drinking, smoking weed. Yeah, through high school, I I I got arrested several times throughout the course of all this story, and uh, Mm -hmm. I was on probation, and so I decided to do um, all the rave drugs back then. Mm -hmm. This is you know 2000, 2001. So I was selling those kind of drugs, club club drugs, and I was doing that. So that was my experience with that stuff. Didn't really ever go back to it after high school, but. Uh, went on and in my uh research career there and like says i started doing heroin and that was really the the depth of the whole it's interesting how it seems like 100 percent of the time oxycontin always leads to yeah heroin yeah yeah as you know in this field and working with people and that's just that's the story were you just smoking it or slamming it or both or both. Both. And then I just started out smoking it, and I ended up being a injection IV user of doing heroin, cocaine, and like I said, that was just all new. I mean, well, obviously at this point, you gotta, you gotta under, you're probably feeling that. Did you know you were in trouble? Was were you like, oh, this is still no big deal, or did you realize, man, I am in a bad place right now? Yeah, I mean, I just, I keep going to the word naive is just kind of. I mean, obviously, I knew what I was doing. It was a bad place, but. Um, I remember the first time trying to quit, it was my, my brother had been in Iraq and he got a leave to come home around Thanksgiving right. um, and uh, yes, around into Thanksgiving. But I tried to quit and I was just smoking heroin at that time and I tried to quit and, uh, you know, for to be present, to be there when he came back and it was that that's when it slapped me in the face. 
what what was going on. Because when you're doing. when you're quitting and trying to get off heroin, you you get really really sick. Oh yeah. Which keeps you probably going back because you don't want to be sick. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. that's when that was a slap in the face. I tried to quit, and I don't know, maybe a twenty four hours if that, where it was just you know skin crawling, heebie jeebies, yeah. feeling yeah. like I was gonna puke, and yeah. just. It's the worst thing you can imagine, and, yeah. and so you you named it. I just went right back to it, and and that yeah. just kept staying in that vicious. So how long did you do heroin cycle. for? Um, it was a couple of years. Okay. So I was twenty three, I believe, about when I started that, and then um, first time I ever quit, like I made a, a valiant effort at it, was about twenty five, twenty six. Okay. Now let's jump ahead just a little bit. Um, so in when I first met you, yeah. Um, you're obviously at this point, you want, you're wanting help and you have tried to get help several other times. Yeah. And, and, and here I am meeting you for the first time. And if it's okay, if I say this, yeah, like, anything you want, you, you're on enough methadone to kill a horse at uh, this moment. One so or tell two us horses. how, <laughs> so how did, tell me how methadone came into the picture for you. Yeah. Um, so again, um, I mean, I say the ambivalence and kind of going back and forth of, of having this idea of like, I've, I've always known and felt that I'm a, I'm a good person. I know that, but yet my actions and everything I did spoke volumes to to otherwise. So, so you had a lot of cognitive dissonance. Absolutely, I'm this person, but my actions don't. So you had a lot of separation there. A hundred percent, yeah. And within that that separation of the two lies the turmoil and that. Yeah, so the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like I said, I mean, I, I had a lot of struggles. I, I had uh, quit on my own at one point, cold turkey off, you know, syringe, heroin, and it lasted me about 20 months. Um, that's why I was kind of throwing out that, the punk rock, vegan, straight edge stuff. Um, I, I did it cold turkey off of relying on that and changing my lifestyle to that. But um, once again, that that wasn't enough, and I, I went back to using, using, using. So real, real quick, I would, so... You became, is it a straight edger? Is that what they called it back then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a straight edger here, guys. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. So talk about it. What, what is a straight edger? Like, and why was yeah. that something that you appealed to, I guess, at the time? Uh, yeah. So just going back, like I said, seventh grade, junior high, um, I had some friends that were older than me, high school kids that they were doing it and it was, you know, skateboarding around. I thought it was cool. They were, they were older. They were cool guys. Um, so you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't have premarital sex. So it's a, a poison. And they're typically lifestyle. vegans, correct? Uh, in Salt Lake. Not yeah, all of them, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is just, you know, purification. So when not... did you kind of join, I guess, that, <laughs> that group? Uh, How old were you? Well, like I said, like 14, I kind of did, but it wasn't the real kind of idea of it so you were breaking the rules by using correct oh yeah 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 <laughs> did they sure. know so did, was, you, did you have to hide it from them yeah that was that was one of the <laughs> most when they beat you up for that i guess <laughs> well, you know. Jeez. let's take paul out back let's take him out back he's been let's smoking again yeah um but to to be dead serious yeah i mean it was something that i held in my heart to the utmost standards because sure. it was something that, that i really looked up to and, yeah. and it, it was so strong for me that like i said it to quit cold turkey of slam and heroin that it lasted but yeah that was one of the most guiltiest times in my life was um you know i have big black x's tattooed on top of my feet and here i was relapsing and and injecting heroin around that area because why 
why are you tattoos with X's on your feet? What is that? That's represent? just the symbol of it. Cause you know, it started in the eighties where kids would go into the bars and if you were underage, they'd put a black X on your hand. So that's just the symbol of, of it. So that was, when you talk about rock bottoms, that was one of them for me is, gotcha. is having that and doing that. But, Wow. Um, Man, we could spend a whole episode on that. That'd be cool to, to know more about yeah. that part of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just right. to, to go back yeah, to, your, to finish your question. Yeah. Is, um, so I had those clean stints, came back. <clears throat> sorry. And then um, I had some friends that were, I can say friends, they were using buddies that um, they were going to the methadone clinic and I had no idea what it was. And so I went and I was going there, um, and I, I think subconsciously or whatnot that I I had the intent to quit, but yet I was still using, and these guys were just using it on top of heroin, and, and so that's what I was doing. I manipulated and lied and cheated that clinic that I was yeah. going to, the Discovery House, yeah, to the point where I got, like well, you're saying, such a high pretty, dose. That's what addicts become really good at is uh, they manipulate really well. Oh, yeah. that, that becomes your superpower. Yeah. And then you you can lie with the best of them, yeah. right? Yeah I, yeah, I did what I had to do to get whatever it what took. I wanted. Yeah. yeah, isn't it fascinating? Like, and if you can just shift that energy into some other something positive, how yeah. that discipline you were actually really disciplined in that. Oh yeah, change that discipline into something positive, and look what happens, right? Yeah, we're gonna get into that. Here, in just here a we second. are. Yeah, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Um, so, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit here, um, but so. Tell me, let's get let's get a little bit into let's talk about belief systems because again, this is kind of what the theme of this uh, podcast is is about beliefs. Yeah. Um, growing up, obviously, now that you can look back, and it's easy to look back and go, "Oh, these are the beliefs that held me back or right. that caused me to, you know, be in my own prison." Yeah. Talk about some of those beliefs that you held on to that were causing you, you know, to be stuck. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, well, to, as you said, to look back and to see it like it was, and, you know, even to, to look at the change side is I was, I was a victim to put it plain and simple. And, and by that, I mean, I had opportunities to change and, and choice that was there and available, but I acted as if there wasn't. And it, Vic, it victim meaning you were blaming circumstances and people for right. your problems. Everything. Okay. So, you know, I blamed my, my parents a lot for it. I blamed schools, teachers. Um, the world in itself, you know, that all these flaws and the way that things were and set up that nothing went my way and this is just how it was. And, and so that's kind yeah. of the, you know, the screw this attitude. I'm going to go off and do all yeah. these things. That, and I know you and I are on the same page of this, you know, and you, you so more now, but it's, you know, really victim stance is the worst disease on the planet. Oh, absolutely. Because that is what keeps us stuck in our behavior and when we blame and point fingers, nothing changes, nothing. right? Yeah, nothing. and I, I stayed in that place yeah. for for years and years and years. <laughs> and it's yeah. that you know, you talk about it's that story of of growing up that that I still went back and reinforced to as a twenty three, twenty four, twenty five year old guy, yeah. and even after that, you know, yeah. which is that's the insanity of it, and you know how how strong it can be in the negative sense. Yeah. I was blaming things from my youth as a as an adult. So 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 let's talk about the belief behind your victim stance. Okay. So what? I mean, I get that you were blaming others and circumstances and everything else, but what's the belief you had about you that that you were trying to, I guess, maybe even you know suppress or mask or hide from? Yeah. By using. Um. 
to look back on that, you know, I, I would say it's kind of the irony of it is I had a million and one friends and, and all types, types of groups of friends mm-hmm. and social groups, but yet it was like I didn't fit in. But it, I mean, more so like the idea wasn't good enough. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I had these groups of friends, but I was the, you know, they were all so successful or so happy and go, why didn't I have that? And what's wrong with me? And, gotcha. and maybe that, you know, I think in the long run was a, a good thing to an advantage, but maybe why I had all these groups of, you know, yeah. we kind of joke, say it's like the chameleon kind of sure, thing of yeah. just going and fitting in wherever, fitting wherever but not, not knowing who my own true yeah. self was. And you know, I think in a, in a way trying to figure all that out of being sure. lost and then the blame yeah. and stuck. And Well, you, you mentioned, uh, you said probably the number one limiting belief that I've found in my 25 years experience is I'm not good enough. Mm, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, so again, listeners, we talk about how belief dictates behavior. So here, here's Paul talking about he had this belief that he wasn't good enough. And so that dictated his behavior. He tried to fit into all these different types of crowds. He still didn't, in his mind, feel like he even fit in there, and so on and so forth. Obviously, using drugs and you know drinking and all that started maybe because you just wanted to try it out. But it turned into kind of masking or self-medicating from that belief. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I think that was like I said that that identity, if you will, is well, all these things didn't work and didn't fit in, and you know I don't like I was raised in the in the LDS church, and mm-hmm. you know I kind of had a falling out with that, and so I wasn't that didn't work. I wasn't good right. enough there, so that was easy to blame, and you yeah. know go on to the next thing, and this didn't work, and so I blame this and. Yeah. So I just stayed stuck with that, and, right and that was that. So what's, you know, we're going to obviously jump ahead here again. Um, so what is your belief around that now? I mean, how, how have you changed that belief, and how is that belief being changed blessed your life now? Yeah. Um, well, to look back and to just see, you know, all these, that it had nothing to do with, you know, I just named, like, the church or my parents or the friends or the teachers or had nothing to do with any of those things right. that, that it was me and it was always me <laughs> and it, it's it's like the gift and the curse because yeah. once you realize that you know the curse is oh my gosh well geez it's just me how am I ever going to get out of this but the gift is that it's all you and it's up to you and that you're in charge yeah, and dude, I love that oh, yeah. dude, that, gives, <laughs> that gives me chills because you're 100% responsible for you right right yeah, and you're right. That can be kind of scary in the beginning, but it's also very liberating. It is the most freeing thing. You get to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna. I want to. I want to share. If you, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. I, I hopefully you do. I think you will once I bring this up. So I'll never forget. Uh, Paul was a former client of mine, and we were sitting um, in uh, doing a session, and you were still kind of struggling. You had made some progress, but you were still kind of battling some things, and. And I, I thought, well, I'm going to mess with you for a little bit because you're, <laughs> uh-huh. you're a vegan, which means you don't eat meat or dairy or things like that, right? Yeah. And you're very dedicated to that. I mean, you're very passionate about that. And so I challenged you on that in a session. I said, hey, let's, uh, let's go to lunch today and I'll buy you a burger. <laughs> okay, yeah. Remember, remember that? This. Yeah. yeah. And I go, yeah. It's the, I go you're, and I go, would you, you want to go? And would, you remember what you said? No. Heck like, no. No. And I go, well. You know, no, just, it's on me. Just have a burger. It's the best burger in town. We're going to go to this place. And you kept going, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm There's do no that. way. Yeah. yeah. And then I says, why can't you have that same dedication mentality, same towards, mentality towards being clean and, you, yeah. and using? 
Yeah. And it was almost like this light bulb turned on. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, I'll never forget that. I joke around <laughs> that today with some of our clients at work. Is remember you came up and you're like, I got your game changer. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, yeah. what is this? And and yeah, I mean that that clicked right there because this. I mean that that is something that I decided. 20 yeah exact 20 years ago at the age of 14 Mm -hmm. i'm not ever gonna do this or eat this and but yet i would sacrifice my own self for these other things yeah Yeah. i stuck to it stuck to it to this day but it goes it goes to show how powerful a decision truly is you had made that inner decision to never eat meat from that point forward and you haven't yeah and you have stuck to it and the point is the reason why i brought that up to you is to make you realize you are in charge yeah Right? Yeah. I, I'll see this all that the time. That clicked. Like that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. One of the things I do right now with my clients, I'll ask them, do you rob banks? And they look at me like, no. And I'm like, well, why not? And they're like, because I don't want to do that. And I go, <laughs> well. I look, okay. As soon as you have that same mindset with drugs and alcohol, it would be great if I asked you, do you, do you drink or do drugs? No. Why? Because I don't want to. Yeah. It's not even a part of your DNA. Right. And I'll tell you. You know, for you listeners, again, you know, to watch Paul, this, from my perspective, as be, as having you as one of my clients, but to see that shift in your in your thinking, in your belief system where you went, oh, wow, I'm in charge. Wow. And I'm yeah. Gonna, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, you know, that belief went from um, I'm not good enough to there's nothing wrong with me. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a... 30 year old guy sitting on the couch in here with you holding on to these <laughs> same old, you know, fairy tales as you call it of yeah, men. We, there's all these things wrong with me yeah. and, you know, yeah. look back, it's probably, you know, Hey, well this, and I'm clueless to it. And I'll, here's, let me tell you, Todd, what's wrong with me and what's happened to me and yeah. what got me here. And it, and it wasn't, I'm sure telling you, it didn't have anything to do with me. It was everyone else's problem and fault yeah. and why I was here. And then, yeah, like just that example of that, of, well, holy cow! Yeah, and have made these choices and these, and these decisions of these things my yeah. whole entire life, and yeah. and here I was just applying and adapting them in the wrong places, and and I mean it's yeah. been the greatest, you know, gift in the entire world. Yeah, you know, yeah it's beautiful. I, I I say you gave it to me, but in that same light that that I had to pick it up and to choose, and yeah. and here I am. Today yeah, I, I kind of guided and showed you, but it was you that had to do it. Yeah, and you did it absolutely. You know. Um, one of the things, you know, I talk about a lot is the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing, there's wrong, nothing with wrong with you. And, you know, you listeners, when I, when I saw Paul, finally that light turned on like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. Why am I self-destructing over here? And to see that was, <laughs> I mean, it gives me goosebumps to even think yeah, about it right man. now, dude. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. It. And it seems like from that, correct me if I'm wrong, from that point forward, even while you were still in treatment, so to speak, mm-hmm. you were done. Oh, yeah. It was game over. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So no what I want back. you to do now, let's talk about how that new belief that nothing's wrong with you, that you're in charge 100%, choice is the ultimate power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me what that knowledge and that belief system now has done for you. What are you doing with that now? Yeah. Tell the listeners what you're doing now. All right. Which is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily, is just absolutely be- blessed to to cross paths with you and and to be here at Wasatch Recovery. And like I said, it was I can name the day or whatnot, but it was mm-hmm. some odd halfway through of a 
an 80 day stay at Wasatch Recovery <laughs> that I knew I was done and, and yeah. that this was it. And here's the opportunity of a lifetime. And there was, there was no change in that, no faltering mm-hmm. it. And, and it's not like I was pushed into that. It, it, like you said, it was just when it clicked, it was just liberating. Yeah. And, and here I was, you know, like almost like I'd woken up to 30 years later in, in yeah. life of, wow, here I am. And this is it. And, <laughs> And that, you know, it, it led me to just from being this guy, like I said, of just kind of working jobs I wasn't happy with and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of floating along, of, of cruising along through life of, you know, shortly after leaving uh, treatment is, is where I met you. And I, I worked two jobs and one of them was Wasatch Recovery. I started as a, as a line staff here and mm-hmm. I worked at eBay. I worked for a couple right. different uh, tattoo studios um 27 tattoos and tattoo i worked for united healthcare but the entire time i stayed uh working at wasatch recovery on on weekends and picking up kind of shifts here and there which uh, long story short snowballed into here's where i am today of um having the the blessing opportunity to be a a recovery coach at our outpatient program so you know again uh just the idea of sitting on the couch here with the tables turned of (laughs) <laughs> telling you all these the fairy tale stories of what was wrong with me and all these things that just these flawed beliefs and and once I got that and it clicked you know and that freedom the liberating feeling of like you're saying and then it was just the world was my oyster to yeah. like what can I do and what's out there and and you know from being a, a, a client here to working my way up to one of our clinical staff recovery coaches yeah. and you know, the people I've met along the way, the, the stories I've, I've seen sure. and heard. And I just had well, a guy text me last night who got a, a two-year coin from, yeah. from his recovery. And just really cool. it's awesome to yeah. just be a part of that. Well, and so listeners, just so you understand, Paul probably meets with, you know, anywhere between 20 and 30 people a week. And he is basically giving back now. That's the beauty of this. You have to give it away. So Paul learned these amazing beliefs, the truth, really. He woke up to it, and now he's given it back. And now he, he sits down, and he helps 20 to 30 people every single week, week after week after week, and he's basically <laughs> wake, helping these other people wake up to what he woke up to. That's the beauty of it. You're giving it back. Absolutely. One of my, one of, one of my favorite things by... I learned this from Neil Donald Walsh. She says, if you want to be, give it away. So if you want to be inspiring, go give away inspiration. And that's what you do every day. I mean, not only just every day, like several times throughout the day, you are inspiring others to be better. And I mean, <laughs> I mean don't you just pitch yeah. yourself, dude? Yeah. I mean, I'll show you my hair standing up tomorrow when you say that, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's it. the best thing that there ever is, you know, and, and, Again, some of these principles that, that I had learned from you, you know, yeah. is that you cannot own something until you truly own something, until you give it away. Until you give it away. And so here it is. And my my goal and, and you yeah. know, is to help those other people just as I was, you know, on wow. the opposite side of this with Inspiring, you. Inspiring, dude. Inspiring, dude, man. Inspire, Paul is amazing, guys. I you, wish, you guys can do this. You I know, wish anyone you that's did, out there listening yeah. is... This is good stuff, man. I So if... If you could go back to your 12-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? If you could go back right now and give your 12-year-old some advice, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. Um, 
if I could pick one thing and, and one thing only, it would be, you know, you said it is you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, that is the, the most simplest, <laughs> easiest phrase that yeah. in the world. But I mean, the, the depth that that goes into is, is what's incredible. And why I would pick that is, you know, again, it's those stories and because there was nothing wrong with me ever. It was that story that, that was up here. That was it, yeah. which, which drive, define, dictate my my behaviors, my choices, my actions that, sure. you know, again, were, were quite damaging for, right. you know, number of years. And, I mean, and I'd, I'd say this to my own self and I'm telling this to, to you guys out there listening is that. No matter how hard it gets, that that you'll you'll get through it, yeah. And just dare to go through it, you know, and yeah. and have some discipline and and just have have faith and know that you're okay. Yeah, you can Beautiful. get through this, Beautiful. and you will. It's inevitable. So, kids, hopefully you heard what he just said. That is seriously the most powerful truth you guys can embrace. Um, you know, this podcast is for everyone, but we're really gonna gear it towards. Um, kids and uh so what a beautiful thing you're doing paul and i'm really impressed with you Um, we're gonna so to wrap this up i i i asked you to kind of come up with a challenge for the listeners if you don't mind uh maybe give them a challenge something that you would like to see them do that would help benefit their lives something maybe that you're doing already every day that you could give to them and challenge them to do and then we'll wrap this up okay yeah um Let's see. Um, as as I mentioned earlier, you know what's been crucial to me is that morning routine, and yeah. uh, there's a few things that that come with that. Um, the first thing, like I was saying, is just the the moment that you step into consciousness. You know, the moment you open your eyes, and there's that that waking mm-hmm. mind. You know, um, right there to just make a decision. So what, you know, who are you? So what today? did you do this What's morning? Going to be? So how did you do that this morning? I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, so you say? the practice of that is, is, you know, when you say open your eyes, cause the first thing is, Oh, I'm tired or oh, is this, and maybe your alarm's going off and here's the snooze or here's, mm-hmm. you know, to dismiss and get up and get rolling. And, and that's the practice of this is, is it sounds simple and here's maybe where the challenges may come, but you know, I, I, I like to change and switch mine up, uh, but my, my intention for today is that I can be, you know, that, that I am inspiring and that I can be full of compassion and kindness. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. I'm a huge believer of that, uh, setting your intent the moment uh, you, you wake up into consciousness. Um, you set the intent and it kind of sets the tone for the day. So yeah. there you go, listeners. The challenge is to set your intent consciously every morning in a powerful way. Yeah. Um, well, hey, we could go on for days. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I could have this guy on every single week. But, Paul, you're a friend. You're inspiring. Um, you make me want to be better. I'm, I honestly feel that way. I'm so impressed on how you carry yourself these days. You would never know that this dude was a heroin addict, drug addict, drug dealer, <laughs> you know, punk rock, yeah. all that stuff. One of the nicest guys I've ever met um, by far. And uh, I'm honored to call you my friend. So thank you for being on episode one of Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you. Your beliefs are amazing, dude. And it's amazing how those beliefs dictate the way you carry yourself today. So thank you for being on the show today. I absolutely appreciate it. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you and what you do for everyone else out here and, you know, what you've 
taught me and, and set out at my feet to pick up and do. And, you know, I just echo your statement of words that you're, you're the greatest guy I know and yeah. best friend in the, in the whole world that I could ever ask for. So Love I appreciate you, it. Love you. You're the man. <laughs> All right.